Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast. Release date Sunday the 18th of December 2022. Get on board. The train's about to go. As you put it so nicely. Though I never learned your name. Now you never will. I can tell you mine. Though keep it to yourself. I'm a wanted man. I really don't want to know. Mind the closing doors. Blake. My name's Rog Blake. What? <laughs> Did not expect that. <laughs> and a festive hello to you all. Ah, I'm Benji Clifford, yes. he's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish, audiobooks, audio drama, and this podcast, all for the love of stories. Any moment now, the Good Review Guide will be featuring the worlds of Blake Seven, Baben the Butcher, starring Colin Baker in a pre-Who villainous role, and Doctor Who Short Trips, the Lickawick Abomination, a Paul Sprague Memorial Writers Opportunity winner, performed by the marvellous Jacob Dudman. Can I interest you in a drink? So what's out there, Malcolm? Then we go behind the scenes with the worlds of Blake Seven, allies and enemies, no name by Simon Guria. Simon Gurry has got no name. Apparently, it says he's got a name here, but is it his real name? Who, who knows? I'm Simon Gurrier, and I wrote Blake Seven No Name. Following that, some absolutely cracking listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. In our also available segment, we revisit a Big Finish Christmas classic. Oh. Perhaps not the one that you were expecting. Ooh. The sixth Doctor and Perry in Blood. On Santa's claw. <laughs> oh no. Oh, this is impossible. How could I have been tricked so easily? Then the Randomoid Selectatron will once again be giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release for the last time in 2022. Benji, retrieve that clip from the unknown nightmare future. This is Professor Bernie Summerfield. That was the unknown nightmare future. <laughs> And then it'll be time to give you a free 15-minute drama tease. This week, it's The Worlds of Blake Seven, Allies and Enemies. No Name by Simon Guria. No. Is that his name? It's no name. I don't know. Blake, I'm counting to three. One, two, three. Where's the Federation when you actually need it? Someone's going to get... So, here we go. I think to continue our 1980s music debate, um, which people were disappointed was missing from from last. Were they really good? Good. We we like a bit of this. This is quite a selection you put before me here, Nick. I'm very excited by this. Yes, it's the Christmas number ones in throughout the 1980s, and just that figure at the end there is how many weeks it was at number one. Oh, this is so very good. Did you put this together yourself? Wow. Or did you steal it from somewhere? I st- well, I stole it from the internet. No, it's very, very good. <laughs> I'm I'm absolutely surprised that um, 1980 St. Winifred School Choir got two weeks in the charts with There's No, no one, one Like... There's the, No One Quite Like Grandma. I've never heard that in my no life. There's No One Quite Like Grandma. It was a little girl singing, basically. 
Oh, really that's probably why mawkish, I've never heard it. it awful. awful. Trash. <laughs> I, I, honestly, that, that's that's the one thing I cannot stand. Children singing. It's the worst <laughs> thing in the world. It's it's like this, you know on the Christmas podcast. Benji Clifford says he can't stand children singing. I can't. Surely that must be the worst bit about having children is having to go to those school assembly play things and have to sit through all that. You know. Yeah, I don't go. Those gar- yeah, well, there we go. I, I don't go to these things. And the the only one know. I went to when Ben was really little, he just uh, he he didn't participate. Good lad. Good he lad. Was meant he's, to, he's but learned, he just completely. Well. Much like his father, when when I was first put on stage, completely froze. <laughs> Couldn't do anything. <laughs> Just says, no, no. Yeah, well, fair play. It's, it was like he became awful. like a statue and had to be sort of manhandled off by scene, <laughs> scene shifters. It's not I true. I thought you were machine guns. <laughs> Get off, off. I remember saying to him afterwards, I said, how was that? He said, oh, I was rubbish. And I went, yeah. He gave me a big hug. Good on him, good on him. That's the way it should be. But how about old. 1981? Brings back so many memories for me. The Human League, don't well, or the Human League, um, <laughs> don't you want me at five weeks in the charts as yeah. well? Fantastic. And it, to be honest, has it ever really left the charts? I mean, it's always it's in everything, isn't it? It's always on. I mean, it's it, a top tune. It, it just sounded so. There was something so new and different but also very traditional about that track wasn't it you know it's sort of a bit of a whiny old love song but but at the same time all that electronic stuff was great it's 1981 you know like this is fully i, f- I feel like this is a perfect example of because it, it, i always think that like the cool factor of things kind of starts in like 1977 is when things get a bit cooler um 1980 with st winifred school choir going straight to the Human League, Don't You Want Me, just shows things really getting going now. You know, it's like... Well, I think old... the, yeah, the, the Human League, it somehow crashed across barriers because it was quite listenable to for an older generation because it had a good tune, you know what I mean? Even though Absolutely. it had modern sounds in it. Whereas traditionally at Christmas, people do go for, as we'll see from the, <laughs> the later entries, do <laughs> go for... Uh, it's more or less guaranteed trash, isn't it? And But a lot of, you know... Uh, popular music purists would say that hum- the Human League is trash as well. I don't subscribe to that theory, but I can I can picture several purists in my mind's eye who will be going, "Oh, Human League." <laughs> it's all down to opinion, isn't it? Though it's like, of course, you, you know, I think the Human League are fantastic. Certainly, that that album is it in vogue um, is just a piece of absolute Nick's looking curious. It is in vogue, isn't it? It's called Dare, sure isn't it? It's Dare. I thought it was. Biz- Hold on a minute. <laughs> I'm pretty certain it's. The called. Vogue. Oh no, it's not. No, I'll tell you why. It's because they're mimicking um, the Vogue cover with the same font, yeah, aren't they? It's Dare. Yeah. But that album um, is just. It's hit for hit for hit, isn't it? it? Is, Absolutely. Yeah. It's all their singles. Their you know, it's, singles. it's just. It is an absolute banger of an album. Remember, I remember I. That was one of the few albums. I bought on iTunes back when iTunes was really swinging, you know, and it was the thing. Was it swinging? <laughs> but that, yeah, it's got Get Carter on it. Yeah, it? yeah. Love Action, great tune. Get you Carter. Know. It's just that that opening bit. That's well, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't know why they did it, but I, I'm, I'm they not loved gonna... Get Carter, you know. <laughs> they loved Get Carter. Um, <laughs> open Your Heart, and of course, the sound of the crowd. I think actually was uh, my favourite song uh, on, on that uh, one. It's great stuff, isn't it? 
it's funny here it says here the album reached number one in the uk albums chart and has been certified triple platinum by the british phonographic industry but of course I looked at it and thought it said the British pornographic industry and thought, why are they, why are they such fans of the Human League? Um, the Human League. Oh dear. The Human League. The Human League. Um, what have we got for number 82, Nick? Uh, 1982. Uh, Rene and Renato, save your love, my darling. Oh, no. Awful. Right back, to, right back to form. Right back to form. I mean, did the British public ironically buy that record? <laughs> For four weeks. <laughs> four weeks. Only four one weeks week less than a irony. solid gold classic like Don't You Want Me. Anyway, move God, The Flying Pickets, 1983, Only You. The Flying Not Pickets. Not a big fan of The Flying Pickets. No, no. Really. I can't recall many of their songs. But, um, you know, that was five weeks. That That's apparently, in the theory of the Human League, is just as successful. The thing about the Flying Pickets, and I hope I'm not saying anything outrageous, is that um, it was meant to be an a cappella band, but there's clearly some sampler work going on. Of course, the 80s, isn't it? They, they you know, were, so you it's, know. it wasn't actually a cappella. They, they were sampled voices a lot of the time, too. Anyway, yes, 1984, classic year, Band-Aid, Do They Know It's Christmas Time? Which plays all the time. I think it's a great tune. It's a fantastic tune. It's absolutely fantastic. Like, no, how can you, how can you dispute it? It is a fantastic. Well, it's major. It sounds like Ultravox to me, basically, because <laughs> it's major. Well, yeah, of course. But it's the fact that as well, though, it's just got so many good people in it. It's, it's a fantastic timepiece, isn't it? I yeah. think of that particular buzz. You know, 1984 was, in my opinion, like the 80s year. Like that is when the eighties is the eighties is nineteen eighty four. Like, do you know what I mean? I know though? what it's, you mean. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's, it's like, like the sixties became the sixties in about nineteen sixty six. Really, yeah. The sixties yeah, like, that we remember or think of as the sixties was until then it was still the nineteen fifties. Yeah, that's it, and that's why you know, like we would, we our discussion goes back to Doctor Who. That's why that first John Pertwee uh, series is a bit of an anomaly. An anomaly because it's it's actually still quite a sixties sort of vibe to it, and and it doesn't become fully seventies until a little bit later on. Well, things don't um, order themselves in neat decades in in real life, not. do they? It's no, just the years that not. do that. Um, yeah, I, I really, I do really. Had you heard that uh, my old mate Murray Gold, <laughs> uh, he one of his reasons for not using the middle eight of the Doctor Who theme when he initially did the first new version of the Doctor Who theme was that he felt that that bit do 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 sounded a little bit like Band-Aid to him. He said it's so similar. He said it's just a few notes away from it. So he never thought that it was... Um, as, I mean, as, it, yeah. it wouldn't be my first thought, but I can see that. I can see why he would say that. It's, this, it's not entirely dissimilar which is what had sort of dissuaded him from music and then he realised that Doctor Who fans were going where's the middle eight please bring it back so he did it you know what came first what surely the middle eight came first what do you mean well what came first the band band aids or the middle eight or you mean the Doctor Who theme? Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, Doctor Who came first. Yeah, there we go. There we no, go. No, but he. I, yes. Permission, permission to use granted. But, um, <laughs> obviously, obviously that. But I'm just saying it's that was. Yeah, it's very of, interesting. And this is. I mean, I don't. I'm probably about to make enemies with so many people, but I really never liked Shaking Stevens. I mean, I've never liked Shaking Stevens. Um, 
person. Although he did try to beat up Richard Madeley once, didn't he, on a television programme? So, so maybe he's not all that. I mean, that, just that in itself is funny. Um, I think it's a great song, though. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, everyone. Happy Although, I, I, here's something interesting, is that I always thought that was a 70s song. Yeah. Well, so doesn't that I'm, say everything yeah, about well, Shaking Stevens? It's got all that kind of... You know, like that 70s yeah. thing of like um, having the, the sort of... That Slade-esque... You know, all that sort of business. Yeah, it's not a bad song. It's nothing sensational, like, you know... I wouldn't, t- I wouldn't be on my Desert Island discs. No, you know, no. But- no, I think it's horrible. I can't bear to listen to it. I'd, I'd go further than you. It would certainly not be... I'd like to put it on a Desert Island that I wasn't visiting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, the next track, though, I actually really like is um, Reet Petit. Jackie Wilson's got a great music. Reet Petit. Um, That's an old classic, it. isn't it? Yeah. I love the video as a kid. Um, here's something that's funny. So when... I've still got it somewhere, actually. It must have been about 1980... It would have been, yeah, 1987, 1988. My mum and dad had this VHS that they taped on the telly that was called The Greatest Music Videos Ever. Uh, yes, you've told us about this before. Yeah. And yeah, the idea that, that nothing comes after it. But Reet Petit was on there, which is uh, the little clay okay. the clay motion kind of guy moving around. And so I always loved this song because I loved that as a but, kid. But it does come from before the 1980s, I'm right in thinking. 100%. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'll double check, but I'm, I'm like 90% sure. I felt um, really ignorant saying that. I mean, that's one reason why the video doesn't feature any um, uh-huh. artists. Um, I mean, I'm going to say it's from the 1950s. Let's have a look. 1957. Yes, yeah, there we I go. Thought, I thought Jackie that. I'm glad. Was, glad. So I was starting been, to feel quite stupid. <laughs> it must have been either the video was very successful and therefore did well, or it featured in a telly thing. And yes, I'm not sure. I, I wonder what the reason for it was. Sometimes they just used to re-release old records and people would just go for it. It still happens today, I believe. Um, I can't think yes, of an example yeah, just, the, just the way it goes. By the way, I must just quickly yes. apologise to listeners. Um, yes. if, if, I'm, if I distort a little bit on my microphone and peak a little bit when I'm talking, yes. it's because I've got some new gear. So I'm just trying to work out... You know, I'm trying to work out the safe zone. So I thought, I if it goes a bit going, fuzzy, right, it goes... Right. yeah. Benji, don't go fuzzy. I won't go it's fuzzy. fuzzy. Benji. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm a little bit. I thought you were going to explain why there may or may not be strange noises behind you because we're communicating on Zoom, but uh, listeners may be, able to, may be able to hear some strange noises from your roofers. Yes, I've got uh, the roofers have chosen the roof above me. Uh, for this particular, these next two podcasts, because they're back to back for Christmas. So if you hear some banging, uh, crashing, some crashing, some scraping, smashing. there's a great scraping sound that I sent to Nick, which is which Amazing. sounds like somebody de-icing their car. Well, I think um, it sounds like someone dragging the body of a dead <laughs> garm. <laughs> maybe that, maybe that's what they're doing. I mean, I've not looked up there, so who knows? Quite frankly, 1987. Um, Always on my mind, Pet Shop Boys. 
didn't do as well as um, Don't You Want Me, but I guess it's because by this point there are so many good songs coming out as well. But, um, but you know, I like the Pet, Pet Shop Boys. Got a lot I, of time for them. I think that once someone pointed out to me that, uh, is it, who's the singer? Is it Neil Tennant? Yes. That he had, he's got a very nasal voice. And once you oh, he has. latch into that, that starts to just drive you insane, I think. And also the fact that he always, I know it was his shtick, but that he always just looked so bored when he was singing. It just kind of made me think, well, I don't want to listen then. If you're not going to look interested in what you're doing, I'm not. I kind of like <laughs> performers to look like they're, you know, like um, Enjoying Erasure. Themselves. The guy from Erasure always used to throw 159% into whatever he did. I can't remember his name now. What was the lead singer of Erasure? I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, brilliant, I'm brilliant work. And it just absolutely, you know, passionate in his performance. And Neil Tennant was always a bit like, I can't be bothered to turn up. I mean, I'm sure he could. He was Andy just Bell. doing a thing. Andy Bell, yeah, brilliant. Um, I guess different anyway. people have different styles, you know. Um, I mean, the, the Pet Shop Boys, I think they're fantastic songwriters. I really think they're fantastic songwriters. Yeah, yeah. I they're great pop songs, aren't they? They're great pop songs. I wouldn't necessarily, like, wake up and think to myself, like, I want to listen to a whole Pet Shop Boys album. I don't. I've, I have some albums of theirs, but I've never really sat down and been like, I want. I want to listen to this. But I do really enjoy listening to. Like, if a single comes on, I'm like, this is a great track. Well, folks, you're listening to the Big Finish Christmas number one <laughs> UK <laughs> hit single roundup on the Big Finish podcast. Uh, we're just down to the last two years now, so those of you expecting to hear something like I don't know, audio drama or Doctor Who, what? Uh, yeah, there's not long to go. Uh, 1988, Cliff Richard, Mistletoe and Christmas Toe. Oh, God, I hate Mistletoe this. and wine. Oh. Um, I mean, another four Cliff, weeks at number one there. People love Cliff. You know, he's, is he still the biggest selling calendar of the year? He always, he's always had that claim to fame, hasn't he? Goodness me! I mean, he I, is I obviously can, a living legend. I can tell you a good fact though, is that I don't think it's in this song because he wouldn't have been born. But um, a friend of mine was a baby in a Cliff Richard music video. <laughs> How about that, eh? Good old Louis. Uh, I always cry like a baby when I hear uh, (laughs) Cliff Richard. No, I mean, he is is a legend of pop. And I I sincerely hope he's still with us by the time this podcast goes out. But if he isn't, I'm I'm dreadfully sorry that we will have lost him. Gosh, that would be a real ploy to get Christmas number one again, wouldn't it? Cliff Richard (laughs) passes away and Mistletoe and Wine rocks up to number one. Well, that is what would happen. Yeah, of course it would happen. Absolutely, yeah. without question. He is a sort of... Uh, also, you've got to remember all the movies he did as well. Some holiday, no more worries for a week or two. But he also yeah, did he's... some sort of strange movie. I'd urge people to check out some of the stuff he did in the 70s, early 70s. Cliff Richard. Yeah. I mean, I just, I will always thank Cliff Richard for for being born just so that we get the young ones um the, the show the young ones not the film the young ones the young ones um in the 70s he did film wise he did his land yeah uh, we did the case which features uh olivia newton john yeah take me high and for some bizarre reason he was in a film in 2012 called run for your wife um, oh Based but he also did teleseries in the in the seventies. It's Cliff Richard was one of them with Eunice Stubbs. 
Well, no, and he did lots of big variety shows. And he, as I've mentioned before, um, regurgitating the wonderful Alan Barnes's research, Cliff Richard is the reason Doctor Who was saved in 1970. Really? Yeah. The only reason Doctor Who came back in 1970 is because they had nothing to replace it with. They were going to replace it with Quatermass. That fell through. Yeah. So they we'll do another series of Doctor Who. And they asked Barry Letts to prepare something new to replace it. But then the BBC got the rights to have Cliff Richard. They, they did a deal with him. And he did a huge Saturday night entertainment program. And in those days, people used to watch a TV channel all evening. Yeah. They'd buy, And so... Basically, Doctor Who got really high viewing figures for that 1970 season because people tuned in waiting for Cliff Richard to come on. Wow. And so at the end, so it wasn't necessarily because people particularly liked it, although, of course, you and I loved that season, Benji. Um, of course. We do, don't we? Yeah. I said, of course. I said, of yeah. course. Sorry, Zoom is Sorry, cutting you, you out were so you much. worried? <laughs> no, oh. it, it sounded like you said, what? <laughs> What? what? No, 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 I hate I it. Doctor uh, Who? No, no. <laughs> I'm a Cliff fan but myself. It, it, it was would have looked churlish clear, for the BBC to cancel Doctor Who since it yeah, had yeah. very good viewing figures, which weren't necessarily because it was Doctor Who, but mm. there you go. So thanks, Cliff. Thanks for, yeah. thanks for John Pertwee continuing past one series. That's what I say <laughs> to Cliff. And go, finally... Yep, go for it. 1989, we go back to 1984, <laughs> bizarrely, because do they know it's Christmas again with Band-Aid? Band-Aid 2. They, I mean, they incredibly it, it, renamed the band. <laughs> if it works, I mean, why not? And I guess, you know what? I can understand why they did it. Not just because it's a great track, not just because obviously it raises money for charity, but because you think of 1984 to 1989 a lot of music really changed in that time things moved in a different direction there were huge movements and huge huge artists coming out so i can i can see exactly why they were like let's just do it again there are loads more people we can get involved with this. was it very Plus different the same people i think they had different people they had different. Not, did they not get all... rid of some people good question i don't know i mean i, I think that could have been have quite to... painful for some of the people in it you know like paul weller go oh, apparently i'm not in it anymore <laughs> See you what, later. What did I do wrong? <laughs> so Band Aid Two, yeah, the Band Aid, yeah. So the performers in Band Aid One. I'm not going to list them all because it'll, it'll, uh, we'll all fall asleep. Yes, we'll all fall asleep. But there are different people in in. They're wet, wet, wet. Uh, Jimmy Somerville's in in that one. Um, Chris Rear, Kylie. Min- oh, that's 1989. Yeah, Kylie Minogue's in it. See, she was huge. Jason Donovan, you know, um, she's quite short actually. I think. <laughs> very five foot um <laughs> lisa stansfield sonia a lot of forgettable sonia. people like, what what happened to sonia she didn't, she didn't really she had what was it you'll never stop me loving you i think and then nothing else came with that well stock aitken and waterman um pop droid number five yeah uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so speaks the controversial old fart nick briggs <laughs> Fair play and an authority, of course, and it comes back again. Band Aid came back in two thousand and four, um, and then came back again in twenty fourteen. So I guess it's going to come I back. Was I in it in... then? Did they have a Dalek in it by then? Um, <laughs> I love the way you're actually seriously checking that. I can imagine that they would, though. That's like, I'm Do not even being they funny. No, it's Christmas time. Anyway, I, I could uh, totally see them doing that. But absolutely brilliant. It's a lovely tune and. 
and jits. It seems almost that's, that's, superfluous that's to say. That's a real old fart thing to say. Yes, yes. What do you think of Bandit? Well, I must say it's a lovely tune. <laughs> it's uh, a banging tune, all right? Thank you very much, Sir Reginald uh, Styles. Uh, uh, and um, uh, it's um, yeah, obviously in a good cause. Absolutely. So thank goodness for them. They did marvellous work. I once bumped into Bob Geldof, you know. Apparently he's very smelly. Is this true? What? You can't say that. Well, I do, I, I've not met him. That's all that's... I've just read well, it. I, I it's like one of those genuinely bumped into him. Oh, no. Yeah. And I ran away before he could tell what I'd done. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a very posh place for the Radio Times Awards cover awards ceremony and he was there and I did that thing I can't remember exactly it was at the bottom of the stairs and I was moving and something was in my way and I sort of shoved it and then realised it was a person and it was Bob Geldof and he kind oh, of looked around as if to say who's shoving me I won't bother doing the did he Did he make a noise like he does in the Boomtown Rats like, did he sort of go oh you know like oh. I'm, going, I'm, I'm going to say yes <laughs> <laughs> he said the silicon chip inside or, or whatever it was turns around how to die um, <laughs> um yeah, I mean, you know, it's... But I, I ran away. I, I, I quite genuinely ran up the stairs to get away from him. It was <laughs> I mean, at the Savoy Hotel, you, darlings. You could take him, Nick. He, he, he wouldn't be able to get, get past battleship Look, Briggs. I, I'd already accidentally bumped into him. I'm not going to then take it. I'm not going to say, <laughs> I can take you, Geldof. That's not going to happen, is it? No. <laughs> oh, what hearty Christmas fun we're having. Dear, oh dear. Well, I suppose we better crack on mm. with um, the Good Review Guide, which finds you the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them and I've been looking forward to doing this just give me a moment just give me a moment I'm, I'm not going to back down on this one Nick <laughs> what is he doing that sounded like you were in someone's bathroom I can do better hold on I can do better it, it, it'll be worth it in the end yeah, yeah. it'll be worth it all this is staying in the podcast. Good, good enough for me. Well, that was quite good. That's quite for you. Benji's got a new bit of kit, folks. That's why he's showing off. I do. And as promised this week, we're looking at Babon the Butcher and the Lickawick Abomination, a short trip uh, Paul Sprague winner. Let's go, Babon first. Hello again, Babon. You? Yes. This will be quite the reunion. Baber? But he's dead. He's looking remarkably healthy for a corpse. From Big Finish Productions, the worlds of Blake Seven, Baben the Butcher. Where am I? You think I was raised by mutoids? Please, sit down. Can I interest you in a drink? It's no use turning on the charm, Baben. But I always make an effort for guests. Look, new boots, Miss Stannis. Captain Stannis. Oh yes, you're a captain. I'm a captain. You might think you're better than me, but the Federation treats us both the same, you'll admit that much. Perhaps. So, we need to work together. Leaving so soon? Who the hell are you? Unhand me, or I'll break your arm. Nice and still now. Huh? You don't want to fight a Federation ambassador in front of the Royal Guard. You're no ambassador. And you're not as sharp as they say. 
Well, just go to bigfinish.com and type Baben into the search pane to find this one. Well, first up, IndieMacUser.co.uk Ian McArdle says, Baben the Butcher is another entertaining spin-off, although quite different in tone from the Clone Masters which preceded it. These stories are shot throughout with Colin Baker's infectious enthusiasm for the role and, as a result, lots of fun. I imagine there's plenty of room for a few more stories yet before the butcher hangs up his boots. <laughs> imagine going to the local butchers and finding he's hung up his boots in the shop. <laughs> Why are they hanging over there? Stop it. Stop it now. Don't worry, they're full of meat. Uh, Setthetape.com. <laughs> Lee Thacker says, Baker appears to be having an absolute blast being able to deliver such a large, bold performance without ever going completely OTT. Baben is the sort of role where, for it to be truly effective, an actor needs to sink their teeth into it, but not the scenery. And Baker manages to get that balance just right. It's a very skillful actor. With yeah. Big Finish being able to shine a light on pieces of the series mythology and explore characters who deserve more attention, the worlds of Blake 7 really is proving to be a success. And hopefully we may yet get to hear more from Baker as the butcher. And the four stars or the stubbing of the toe there. Mm. Yeah, yes. definitely a stubbing of the toe. Maybe he, he trips over the boots. Yeah. Was um, that a good Piers Brosnan and I did there? Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, was, yeah uh, that that was better. That was a better one. There, uh, that was a real good. That was a good bit of Brosnaning, 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 And now, Doctor Who short trips the Lickowick abomination. Growing up, Freya and I were never afraid of the creature. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who short trips the Lickowick abomination. Most nights, I wasn't awake to hear the gulls outside fall silent all the nightmarish dragging sounds and the hideous screeches that followed. So what's out there, Malcolm? What's everyone so afraid of? The first thing to hit me was the smell. A dull wave of dust and death. The whole corpse seemed to be a mismatch. Like every part of the body had been fused together from several different birds of different sizes and ages. What's wrong with it? I asked. Nothing, the bird's fine. Well, 
dead but fine. It's time for sick. After that, it wasn't a game anymore. Big Finish. We love stories. Hey, just go to Big Finish and type... Um, bigfinish.com, I mean, and type Lickerwick. That's L-I-C-H-Y-R-W-I-C-K into the search pane at the top to find this one. First up, Sci-Fi Bulletin, Paul Simpson says Dudman's performance as Malcolm captures the nerves, fear and worry of the youngster, counterpointed with the Ninth Doctor's distinct tones. Careful attention is uh, repaid as what's going on becomes clear to the Doctor and then to the narrator and audience. It feels as if we're going down a certain path, but then the storytelling takes a sharp turn. A well-constructed short story, 8 out of 10. I think that was a 10 out of 10 review, Paul, I've got to say, but there you go, thanks. Couldn't say it better myself. Yeah. Well, blogtohu.com, their favourite actor, Peter Nolan, oh, here, yeah, says, In the spirit of Eccleston's time as the Doctor, the Lickerwick abomination is as much a coming-of-age story for Malcolm as interested uh, in his emotional connection to events as battling monsters. Uh, and the ultimate entwining of events is eminently satisfying both as a clever piece of plotting and as a character piece. Just want to say uh, eminently satisfying. That's very sophisticated writing there from Peter Nolan. Eminently satisfying. Yes, <laughs> he, he must have picked that one up in one of the programmes he did a couple of years ago, you know. <laughs> Maybe he played 70s. like a civil servant or something, you know. <laughs> yes, I must say uh, that's eminently satisfying. More whiskey. Um, one of the most finely sculpted Doctor Who narratives of the past year. It's almost astonishing that this is a free giveaway from a first-time big Finnish writer. Mm-hmm. But it's one blog to Who can thoroughly recommend for you to pick up. Mm-hmm. Cultbox.co.uk. Ian McArdle says the Lickerwick Abomination is a story into which the Doctor lands in search of chips. Afforded a place of safety by Malcolm, he soon sniffs out a mystery. Malcolm believes Lickerwick is cursed but the Doctor is having none of it. He doesn't believe in such things and promptly drafts the boy into solving the town's problem. Joe Viva's tale is told in the first person with a particularly effective pre-credit sequence that sets a horror-tinged tone. His prose is wonderfully atmospheric, backed by effective sound design from Richard Fox, good old Richard, and does not feel obliged to explain every detail. This creates a poetic, wistful tale in which guilt, grief, and kindness all play a part. His characterization of the Ninth Doctor feels spot on, helped by a good rendition from Jacob Dudman in addition to his narrator's role. And that's uh, five stars, and four of them are blue, one of them is white, that means uh, 11 stars. Thank you. Yeah. Nissa, Nissa McKinnon would agree. Yeah. Pure, pure math. Well, on the Twitter Maru, um, the. <laughs> Is it P.L. Frobisher or P.I. Frobisher? No idea. We can't tell in this font. Who, who knows? It's a, it's a tricky, it's a trickawick uh, problem. Uh, just listen to Doctor <laughs> Who, the Lickawick Abomination. Uh, the story continues a strong tradition of Paul Sprag ST winners, creating some of my favourite stories. With this story being a brilliant and strongly written tale that is brimming <laughs> with honest emotion. At T-Rex T-Genie says, just had an epic chillax tamper, pamper, sorry, pamper, not tamper, uh, bath <laughs> while listening to the Lickerwick Abomination. Hush my mouth. What a truly cracking tale from horror to feel good. The At Big Finish short trips are a wonderful range and long may they continue exclamation mark. 
Well, Scouse Gareth. All right. Um, wonder where he's from. Uh, I always enjoy <laughs> listening to the Big Finish Paul Sprague Memorial Short Trips. Listen to the Liquorwick Abomination last night. A great story and the reading of Eccleston's Night Doctor by Jacob Dubman is, I have to say it, fantastic. Hey. Uh, at Jenkins 100 Rose says, I just listened to uh, Joe Arasic's Hawks, short trips. That's Joe Reavers, I guess. Uh, the Lickerwick Abomination from Big Finish. It's very good and it's a free download. Saying nothing more. Surely you can hear that. Nope, can't hear that. What's <laughs> that? Zoom is cutting out whatever hammering, weird noise you're hammering. hearing at home right now, listeners. Magic. Absolute magic. Um. Is it Podcast Journal? Yes, it is. The Liquorwick Abomination yeah. by Jurassic Pork is a superb Doctor Who story from Big Finish. At times haunting, at other times beautiful. An original piece of storytelling wonderfully narrated by Jacob Dudman. At Tomhausen1218, one of our favourites, The Liquorwick Abomination from At Big Finish by Jurassic Pork. <laughs> I can't read that out, seriously. Is a fantastic and atmospheric tale. The perfect story to kick off. Ow! My audio listening into. 2022, goodness me, all that time ago. Beautifully written and a worthy winner of last year's short trips competition! Exclamation mark. Well, Starcasm, what, what a, a great I love that, that, isn't it? Starcasm. Really uh, slightly more straightforward than we usually see in this range, but it's a superbly written and just, oh, it is superbly written and just as well read by Dubman, who brings the first person narrative alive. Uh-oh. The sense of dread throughout is palpable. Nine out of ten. It's alive! Justin B. Quinnick, yes. The last minute surprise, the well deserved Paul Sprague memorial winning story is a beauty. Capturing everything we love about the Ninth Doctor and what his Doctor can bring to the table. Here you are, brought some tea. I hope, I'm sure, <laughs> hope we hear what? I sure hope we hear more from at Jurassic underscore pork. Well, it says you here, Nick, to read this next one out. Uh, for the sake of keeping things in order, I suggest yeah. you do so. Okay, the Liquorwick Abomination. This is from uh, at Harry Mook H1. Uh, the Liquorwick Abomination was brilliant. You really captured the Ninth Doctor, and the whole story was dripping with atmosphere, and the town was so vivid. Malcolm felt so real, and the story's theme was lovely. Brilliant, thank you. That's a lovely one to read out. Hmm. Well, this last one now, Rose962, The Liquorwick Abomination, is a great story. The way Jacob Dubman performed it, both in a Scottish voice and switched to the Ninth Doctor. This is the kind of concepts live for. Uh, and what a great way to understand the repercussions of time travel. 10 out of 10. Wow, at Rose962, you really do win with a 10 out of 10 there. I have to say that Jacob Dudman's Scottish accent was amazing. I said to him, you do realise you've got to do all this in Scottish. So you're right doing a Scottish accent. He went, um, I don't know, let me see. Uh, and he just started doing it. He says, is that OK? And I said, yeah, that's fine. He went, oh, great. You know, he's so Legend. talented, Legend. so versatile. Anyway, on that high note about the wonderful Jacob Dudman, that's it for the reviews for this week. We'll be returning with more reviews in the space year 2023 when Benji and I will be sitting on space chairs. Probably made of plastic. Definitely. Still to come on the podcast, a superb collection of listeners' emails, mm. a festive trip down memory lane with Doctor Who, blood on Santa's claw, <laughs> and we'll be giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release with... 
the Randomoid Selectatron. But first, let us delve behind the scenes with the worlds of Blake 7 allies and enemies. No name by someone who has got a name, Simon Gurrier. Remember that name and don't forget that name. It's Simon... Uh, um, forgotten. Hello, I'm Peter Angelidis. I'm the producer and script editor of No Name. Are you heading to salvation? That's not your business either. We could travel together, maybe get better acquainted. You intrigue me, a woman without a name. Spare me. I originally envisaged this as a Travis story for Stephen Greif, set when he's still fairly loyal to the Federation. And the idea was that Arlen learns some brutal truth about the way he and the Federation get things done. She thought he was ruthless, uh, but she thinks of things differently once she's seen Travis in action. And that really was the whole of the brief. I'm Simon Guerrier, and I wrote Blake 7 No Name. No Name is a bit of a different story, I think. I certainly wanted to do something different with Arlen and Travis. So Arlen, who on TV is this very cool and calculating and powerful figure, I think. I've got her on the back foot in this story and Travis well I'm doing something quite different with Travis but what I was really thinking of doing was a western it's kind of once upon a time in the Federation. I asked Simon Guria to write this one because I've long admired his uh, inventive perspectives on Doctor Who and Blake 7 stuff. We were both involved in the very first Liberator Chronicles that Big Finish did and Simon therefore willfully disregarded my suggestion about Stephen Greif and wrote it for Brian Croucher instead. It's quite different from other Blake Sevens I've written. All the other Blake Sevens I've written were Liberator Chronicles, which are a sort of small cast or relatively pared down casts. This is a slightly bigger story. The pace of it is different. I consciously wanted to do something a bit different from what I normally do, which is to keep things moving quite quickly. So I, again, thinking about the film Once Upon a Time in the West, I wanted it to be slightly uh, more sedate in the way that it plays out so that there's a bit more suspense in it. It's also been a long time since I've written Blake 7. My last Blake 7 play was Remnants, which was released in 2015, and I think I wrote the year before that. So, yeah, my, my main thing is it's just nice to be back in this, in this play pit again. He also brilliantly created this frontier world with a tightly knitted cast and came up with that imaginative title. I had to warn the people who pressed the discs that it really is called No Name and not that we forgot to put the title in the audio files. I knew roughly how the first story was going to end and I had to follow on from that. So I was kind of thinking of a wounded Arlen kind of licking her wounds, wanting to recover a bit, that her confidence had been knocked, that she's not sure of her next move and the best way forward. And I really just wanted to kind of explore those kind of ideas. And then, as I often do, I was kind of looking at my DVD shelves, thinking, where can I go with this? What what can inspire me? And there were a few films, a few action films and stuff, and I was thinking, you know, maybe I want something a bit less action orientated and then i was uh, i was drawn to a wilkie collins book called no name uh, which i really like uh, about a teenage girl who tries to avenge her family which is an amazing victorian novel very ahead of its time and that and the idea of a western and putting travis into the kind of once upon a time in the west scenario as either the sort of man with the harmonica or uh, the Henry Fonda role in that film. That's kind of where I was kind of throwing those things all together, really. My name is Brian Croucher, and I play Travis. You think I'm a soldier? I know you're a soldier. 
Your injuries are from combat, and you've the bearing of an officer, even with that leg. Plus, you're always watching, working out the angles. What are the angles now? This episode, when I read it, it was very, uh, as it were, Western. Um, the Magnificent Seven, Gunfight at the OK Corral, anything like that. I've never been in a Western, but um, I watched those sort of films when I was a kid at the Hackney Pavilion and carried on watching them all my, all my life. The attraction of writing this story is that I got to do something a bit different with two quite distinct characters. I love Travis in Blake Seven and Brian Crouch's Travis in that second series where there's an arc plot. I remember being very excited about when I first watched Blake Seven on video and kind of realising that there was a connected thread going through these things and where was it all leading to. So uh, that's been quite exciting to kind of get into and, and what does Travis want? What motivates him? Where is he going? What sort of doubts does he have about himself? And I'm kind of interested in that idea that he's, you know, his relationship with Blake is one of jealousy. So I, I was thinking about that sort of thing. Well, what I've not forgotten, Nick, is that this exciting release is at bigfinish.com. And if all you have to do really is just type in allies and enemies into the search pane at the top and you'll be reminded. Good. Time now for listeners' email. <laughs> Nick there is the slime monster. Um, well, of course, you can't forget an email. I never forget them. Every email no. sent to me is logged in my mind. Uh-huh. Uh, and you can join those logs by sending your emails to podcast at bigfinish.com. First up, Adam Graham here with the subject 80s music. Yes. Dear MC Nick and the artist formerly known as Benji, that's me, um, Nick asked what people thought of the 1980s music discussions. Yes. I will preface this by saying that most 1980s music is not to my taste. Get out of uh, I'm into different genres and my different taste in music is old, far older my default than... default taste. Oh, sorry, well, you've said it for me. Uh, far older than Benji's. Whilst Benji rocks out to music from the 1960s and 70s, my general preference leans towards the 40s for popular music. There we go. It says here, Solid Jackson, slip me some skin. Uh, in, the, uh, in other words, the parlance of the 1960s musical avant-garde, I am square. That said, it's fun to hear you interact and discuss a topic, even though it's something I know little about. Ah. The chat is a nice part of the podcast, and rather than forcing it to be something business-related, when that doesn't make sense, have fun with it and share your passion. Uh, I look forward to the times where I might actually know what you're talking about. I like That's the idea that, damning that, with faint praise, that, isn't it? It's great to hear you talking. I just look forward to when I know what you're talking about. Haven't got a clue. Haven't got a clue. I like the Not idea that we should do the opposites and just make it really business-like. Like, turn up with file of faxes and sit down and say, Nick, <laughs> yes. do you want some water? <laughs> right, well, what's first on the agenda? More water? Certainly. Yes, and anyway, more water? No, I don't want water. Um, anyway. Uh, Is this I had meeting so- in a swimming pool? <laughs> <Not a chance. laughs> I think it will be by the next week. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I had such a feeling on 11.20 when you mentioned an artist whose name I recognised. I was really surprised with what you said about his career and about his touring success in the UK attracting younger people. However, I began to suspect I was confused and, is, and indeed learned that you were talking about that you talk about Fred Newman. I think you're very confused. We were talking about Gary Newman. It says here, you were talking about Fred. I don't know who Fred Newman is. Um, <laughs> you were talking about. <laughs> um, but um, it says here, I was thinking of Randy Newman. Um, Benji uh, put images in my head of uh, ecstatic Gen Zedders coming to hear Randy Newman singing. He gives us all his love. It's a jungle out there and you've got a friend in me. Alas. Not in this universe. I love I the reckon... fact that Adam has even forgotten the word Gary and put Fred in instead because Fred Gary Newman. Newman means nothing to me. <laughs> well, I mean, I could see people turning up for You Got a Friend in Me, a bit of Toy Story. Um, <laughs> although related to Big Finish, I did just want to share how much I enjoyed the Auton Infinity. It's become one of my favourite it's become my favourite story of twenty twenty two so far. Between this and the Annihilators, <laughs> Big Finish has shown that you can do longer formed six or seven part stories without them feeling padded, but rather using the time uh, the runtime to build more complex stories. I really loved all the cliffhangers with the Auton Infinity. The reveal at the end of the second episode was genius. Of course, John Coleshaw made this production, playing multiple parts with ease and never making me question. If Big Finish makes a production with a cast of thousands, two-thirds of them will be John Coleshaw. <laughs> Thanks for all the great audio adventures of 2022. Looking forward to even more in 2023. All the best, Adam Graham. Sent from, well, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> there's lots of hammering going on now, I can tell. I can tell there's hammering going on now. Uh, now, Stout. Um, here, uh, I was actually sent this. This was delivered to my house, right? <laughs> it, it's from uh, Julian Shortman. Dear Nick and Benji, Hi there. You can imagine my surprise when I heard last week that Andy, lovely guitar teacher at my school, is a near neighbour of the Briggs family. Henceforth, when I heard Nick pining for a stout on the podcast, I asked if Andy might be kind enough to deliver this small gift to you as a small gesture <laughs> of thanks for the many hours of pleasure I've had listening to the Big Finish podcast. Benji, please accept my apologies that I'm not able to provide the same token of thanks to you too. If we ever have the opportunity to meet in person, I shall endeavour to rectify this. I'm I thought sure you did. I thought I thought he somebody egged my house I thought that that was him you see no <laughs> no it's all good, it's all good uh, for those friend. of you who obviously don't know which is actually all of you um, what what um, uh, Julian has done has sent me four cans of um, Mackerson's Stout on which he put a label saying big finish for the love of stouts rather than the love of stories or oh, for the love of stories and stout I think it's it I'm sure I'm, I won't have been the only listener who found your podcast a small oasis of sanity during the pandemic. Bizarre as it may sound, your weekly dose of upbeat and positive chat was a genuine comfort in those strange and unsettling days. I never failed to be impressed by your endless positivity, enthusiasm and passion for creating high quality audio drama, which obviously spreads to the whole BFT. Many moons ago, I had the honour of being invited by Gary Russell, Russell in brackets, I think Russell is out of the brackets now, uh, to write a big finished story for Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant 
Jack called her final flight. We remember it well. The yes, whole experience was a joy from start to finish, and I have incredibly fond memories of it. In the script, I suggested it might be great to have a choir feature in a scene, to which Gary had rightly pointed out that the budget wouldn't stretch to this. However, I had recently become friends with the conductor of a fabulous choir in Warwickshire called the St. James's Singers. Uh, Julian Harris, conductor of the St. James's Singers, generously offered the services of his choir, and Davy Darlington added their recording into the final mix. Brilliant work. The St. James's Singers have had strong links with the Troughton family for many years, and on Saturday, the 17th of December, they will be performing their final Christmas concert in St. Mary's Church, Warwick, uh, with David Troughton, son of Patrick Stoutman, <laughs> as their reader. Well, you will have missed that, unfortunately, because this comes out on the 7th, the 18th. Uh, we recorded a few podcasts in advance, why which is why they're haven't oh, been. Well, there goes the advertisement. Yeah. Gone now. Nobody will go. Yeah, exactly. Go That's on. it. They've missed all the, all these potential. This could have been like the next Glastonbury. Uh, Big finished <laughs> podcast mind. people flocking to go to this. And, and it's all gone now. And uh, the reason, it's lucky we did record them in advance because I got COVID-19 and wouldn't have been able to manage the last one anyway. Uh, so, oh, hold on. I hear a small violin playing for my sympathy. Mm. <laughs> For any Big Finish listener in the Midlands, I can heartily recommend it as a wonderful evening. It's, it's gone. It's gone. Sorry. sorry. I'm sure it was marvellous. Fantastic. In the meantime, keep up the great work. It is hugely enjoyed and very much appreciated. Best, best wishes, Julian Shortman. P.S. It's been fun to hear another Shortman, Jordan, featuring from time to time in the Good Review Guide. Who does Jordan Shortman write for? I can't remember now. Good question. I don't think he's featured on, on this It's not podcast. this week. No, no. Is he on next week's one? As far as I'm aware, we're, no, we're not doing reviews next week. As far as I'm aware, we're not closely related, but as we short men are a rare breed, it seems likely there's a common ancestor not too far removed. Thank you very much. Jordan Shortman is uh, the Doctor Who companion and also the Big Blue Box podcast. Oh, right, I see. I had another email about uh, Stout from Jonathan Kirk. Who just put in the subject line? Here's your stout, Nick, and uh, <laughs> sent a photograph of uh, of the stout. Um, I can't actually read that. What does it say? What's the stout? Uh, let's have a look. Stocky oh, yard. Stock stockyard. Um, chocolate. Oh, stockyard. Yes, sorry, stocky. Chocolate baby babka. Pastry stout. Pastry stout. Like that. That sounds fun. And founders something or another stout, with a, which looks like a goblin on the front of it. Oh well, it's all good, isn't it? Either way, it was sent by Jonathan Kirk, who is son of Captain James T. Kirk. I love um, the. Uh, there, there've been some more stout emails. I love the fact because this came about just in case you weren't listening, folks. When I, I just went. We said something about a stout, and I went, "Oh, I could do with a pint of stout right now." <laughs> Send one to podcast at bigfinish.com. People have taken me seriously. People listen. People do listen. I should get in there my next um, uh, request for, for Julian, shouldn't I? <laughs> Julian, I'd like some pickled onions. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, we're going to be on on Tuesday, so if you can pop in between two and eight, that'll be fine. My wife um, was quite disturbed. She said, this thing has come for you. I don't know what it is. Is it a bomb? <laughs> well, we um, know Andy from just down the road. He said, Andy brought it. I thought, what? what's Andy? Andy doesn't listen to the Big Finish podcast. <laughs> anyway. 
Well, Brandon Brown certainly does. And this is uh, subject to this one is listener podcast email. Straight to the point. We love it. Are there any plans? <laughs> this one again. Are there any plans to do a Doctor Who comic strip adaptations volume two and beyond? We thoroughly enjoyed the venture into this part of the Doctor Who world. Thanks. I like the way that Brandon refers to themselves as we. It's interesting. It's obviously some kind the of royal, royal we. Yeah. <laughs> The Royal We, that's the um, the toilet in Buckingham Palace. Um, uh, yeah, um, there are no plans, but I wouldn't say the idea is completely dead because, as I've said a million times, but you probably haven't listened to this podcast a million times, it didn't sell very well, the, po- the, the podcast, the, we don't sell it at all, uh, the comic strip adaptations. But, you know, in the fullness of time, it has done pretty well. It's just been creeping along, selling more. So maybe... We'll do something else. So why don't you send in your suggestions of what you think, which comic strip adaptations we should do? How about that? Let us know. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thanks for your great emails. Uh, We had some great suggestions for new items in the podcast. I asked for that. So uh, please keep those coming and we'll be telling you more about them in our special Christmas Day podcast, which will be on the 25th of December 2022. Yeah, that's Christmas Day in case you haven't noticed. Well, the Random Woods Electron is waiting in the wings to offer you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release for the last time this year. It'll be having a bit of a rest after Christmas, so uh, you might want to get in on this one. Hmm. But before that, let's go back to a Christmas past fondly remembered. My name is John Ainsworth, and I am the producer and director of the Sticks Doctor Adventure, Blood on Santa's Claw and Other Stories. Good. Okay, let's go from that from the top, please. Uh, That is extremely irresponsible. Never, ever suggest anything like that ever again. Uh, But I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. I just thought it'd be cool to be in the year 2525. I like that song. Don't worry about it. He's just being annoying. I am still here, you know. Yeah, I like that. Nev Fountain, who of course we can now say has written the whole thing, he sort of pitched the idea, uh, which I thought was quite nice, that we would do something that looked like an anthology of four different stories, but it's only when you get to the sort of the final episode that you realise that they're not all self-contained stories, they actually all connect up, basically. And so yes, Nev just went with that idea, and um, and here we are. My name is Nev Fountain, and I am the writer of Blood on Santa's Claw and other stories. Oh, no. Oh, this is impossible. How could I have been tricked so easily? You tricked yourself. <sighs> this is one I was quite keen on doing. I'm always interested in unintended consequences. I always like that idea. When I was writing my Mervyn Stone books for Big Finish, I did toy with the idea of Mervyn solving a crime in book one and finding out in book two he'd got it completely wrong. I kind of like that idea of deferring a climax to a story to another story. So the idea of the Doctor seemingly winning the day three times over and then finding out he'd done the wrong thing was something I was... Yeah, I was very keen on doing. All the Christmas elements came later when they wanted it to be a Christmas story and everything Christmassy that was added to the story actually made it better. My name is Colin Baker and my character is the sixth incarnation 
of the doctor called who? Someone's killed Father Christmas. Father Christmas doesn't exist. Well, he certainly doesn't now. Doctor, be serious. Oh, it's perfectly possible to be flippant and serious at the same time. Love doing a Christmas one. And I think it's such a nice tradition now that Doctor Who is so much a part of all our culture that it's now part of Christmas too. So we've Big Finish has got one that's part of Christmas. I don't know whether other doctors are doing Christmassy ones, but uh, let's hope it's just me. I think the essence of it is themes of Christmas rather than the tinsel and, and the baubles. I know I use them, but um, I, I've weaved it into the story. Uh, the the lords don't like silver. I was thinking a lot about what enemy I could have for a Christmas uh, Christmas version of this story, and I, I thought about crotons and and Yeti because of the baubles and because of the, the crystalline nature of the crotons. And, but they wanted an original villain, and um, I thought, great, um, the werewolves tend to be frightened of lots of Christmassy things, silver things, mistletoe, so it all tied together very nicely. Perry has a boyfriend, which both I and the Doctor found rather irritating, especially because it's good-looking bloke. You can't see that on radio, but you can probably hear it, actually. This Perry's much more interested in this good-looking bloke than she is in the Doctor. Yeah, Luke Allen Gale plays Joe, who is a rock star that she met whilst in the audience of Top of the Pops. Hello, I am Nicola Bryant, and I play Perry. If we meet up with anyone, I don't want you introducing us as, I am known as the Doctor, and these are my companions, Joe and Perry. That's how I always introduce well, us. Well, not anymore. If you must say anything, you can say, I am known as the Doctor, and this is my friend, Perry, and this is her partner, Joe. Oh, that's a bit of a mouthful. That's how it's going to be. Perry's setting new boundaries with the Doctor and making new demands, which, interestingly, the Doctor is quite happy to accommodate, really, because he doesn't want to lose Perry. Because I think by this stage, he's realising he's got a fellow adventurer. So even if he's got this thing dragging along with him her boyfriend he's gonna put up with it which is actually great because I think that's such a another wonderful demonstration of the relationship between the doctor and Perry she hasn't gone well you know I'm just gonna stay here with him she's gone no I'm gonna bring him to, to my life situation I particularly like the idea that Perry had a partner and that they had met previously in a backstory so it was quite interesting that suddenly we find ourselves with a slightly different dynamic in the TARDIS and I love the fact that the Doctor doesn't really quite like him and so he'd actually sets up this adversarial thing between Perry and the Doctor uh, which is quite nice or you know I mean they've been adversarial before but over this particular issue and I thought that just allowed the Doctor and Perry to show slightly different sides of themselves as well. My name is Luke Allen Gale I play Joe Joe is a pop star from the 80s, playing with a band called Arcadia Rising. He then meets the lovely Perry on set at Top of the Pops and is taken off onto this kind of whirlwind adventure with the Doctor. He was going to be this old style, you know, saying it is instead of it's, you know, kind of like a, a, sort of like a, a muscly kind of a guy. And I found him so utterly tedious writing him, I thought... No, this character doesn't have to be from that time. He could just be living through history and meet up with the Doctor at a fun time like 1985, where, where Perry comes from, and be something else. 
like um, Interview with a Vampire. You don't have to have all the vampires from ancient times. They can live through and just be interesting. When I was cast, I was told I was going to be playing Joe, a pop star from the 80s, who's Perry's companion. And there's a dark secret. I must confess that episode four took me completely by surprise and remember that you'll find this bargain slice of christmas fear uh, at bigfinish.com by typing santa oh. into the search pane at the top and you'll also find iris wild time and the claws of santa by mark wright and Kevin scott which is also rather good oh, yes uh, very soon now we'll be giving you a free 15 minute drama tease from the worlds of blake seven allies and enemies but first it's the random boy selector john giving you a 25 percent discount on a randomly selected big finish release okay well that's right it's in it's doctor who new adventures of bernie summerfield volume two the triumph of sudek the triumph of sud yeah that'll do Ah, yes. Now, I was actually in this. I think I was just forced to be in it. I was visiting the studio. <laughs> anyway, it's great <laughs> stuff. Uh, there's four episodes. The, the Pyramid of Sutek by Guy Adams. The Vaults of Osiris by Justin Richards. The Eye of Horus by James Goss. And The Tears of Isis by Una McCormack. Just highly recommended. Great cast, apart from me. Um, and, uh, oh, oh, great people. Brilliant, brilliant. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. The New Adventures of Bernice Summerfield, Season 2. This is Professor Bernice Summerfield. I'm trapped in a pyramid. Uh, look, what you need to know is that the Egyptian gods were real. They came from Feister Osiris, had terrible powers, and Sutek, the nastiest of the lot, has just come back to life in the middle of your war zone. Can you feel it, Doctor? Their little war. Normally it would be nothing to me. Faint chatter, little deaths. But not today. There they are! Don't let them escape! What are they doing, Professor? They're after the treasure in the tomb! Another collection of trophies for the Fuhrer. You are hollow shells, my brothers. Ghosts, dust and dreams. But you are of use to me, after all. So, we're being chased through a palace by killer golden beetles. Chocolate memories? A few. They laughed at him. Said he was an idiot. Of course the world isn't going to end, they said. We've heard all this before, and the world never ends. But he knew better. Great Sutek, we await you. We call upon you. Rise again, Sutek. Sutek. What's happening? No. Time's falling apart. Not yet, not yet. It started, and now nothing can stop it. The triumph of Sutek. Except the planet Earth. I didn't imagine. I didn't think. Doctor, is this it? Is this really how it all ends? Yes. 
and I bring Sutek's gift of death to all humanity. Big finish. We love stories. So, here's the thing. Benji, you know what the deal is, don't you? And I always know the deal. What is the deal then? No, um, I, I've, I've left in the, the description from last uh, week, so I will change that. But uh, while I email <laughs> Jackie Emery at Big Finish to make sure she knows which release to attach the offer to, Benji, please explain how you get the 25% discount in the style of your dog. The style of my dog? Well, that sounds like a goblin. Just <laughs> 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 um, That's all she does is... <laughs> Um, she really, she really does sound like a goblin. Um, it, it's her it? breed, you see. She's she's a, sh- a Shih Tzu. I'm not swearing. Um, but what she would do is go to on the podcasts page of BigFinish.com. Once you're on the podcast page, um, all you need to do is click Read More. Um, once you're on the Read More section, uh, it says just click here and enter the code. Buck up, B-U-C-K-U-P. Enter that code in and you will get your discount. It's as simple as that. She really does make that noise. Yeah, um, I, I think it's something it. to do with their breed. They kind of... It's sort of... Um, yeah, I always think she's a cross between a goblin and a serpent. Um, <laughs> but then she does also purr, a bit like a cat, so that's weird. She's a bit of an anomaly, bless her. But a very cute dog, as, as listeners have seen. Those who, who uh, frequent my Twitter will often see photos of her. Have you done it all now, then? Yeah, that's it, man. That's, that's it. it. That's, that, that's it, yeah. Oh, I, I mean, nothing sensational. That, explained I've explained that. the whole... <laughs> lot, I was, yeah. I was too busy uh, writing an email to Jackie. Yeah, uh, man. I, I don't mess hope. around. I don't mess around. Okay, well, uh, cheers, Ran. Nice one. Next week's podcast is released on Christmas Today. Aye, aye, aye. And is entitled The World Tree as we celebrate the latest winner of the Paul Sprague Memorial Writers' Opportunity. To explain, Paul Sprague, as many of you will know, worked with us at Big Finish for many years. One of his many contributions was to encourage new talent uh, by chatting with our loyal followers on email, sometimes on the phone, sometimes in person. Devastatingly, Paul died very suddenly in May 2014, leaving us all reeling. But it was his friend and colleague, Ian Atkins, who came up with the idea of celebrating Paul's life by establishing this competition to find new writers. Set up and initially run by Ian, we have wholeheartedly continued this tradition to this day. And, as I say, the latest winner is a rather lovely story entitled The World Tree by author Nick Slowich. Also, in next week's podcast, we'll have a bumper crop of listeners' emails and we'll be going behind the scenes uh, of another Big Finish festive favourite. You have to guess which one. (laughs) Well, thanks again for you all for listening. The Big Finish podcast is presented by me, Benji, Father Christmas Clifford, and him, Nick Santa's little helper, Bricks. He also wrote, produced and edited it. That's true. Ho, 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 ho. And both Benji and I did this for the love of love story. Of story. <laughs> Time now for the worlds of Blake Seven, Allies and Enemies. No Name by Simon Gurrier. The train is late. I said, the train is late. It's always late. You've waited hours. 
It's not easy standing all that time with that leg. You must have been in the wars. What's your name? Not any of your business. Well, you can ask me my name if you like. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> Everyone on Vanstone is hiding something. That's why they're here. <sighs> I suppose it is a long way from the space lanes and the planet lacks natural resources of any kind of wealth. How long have you been here? How do you survive? On Vanstone, we don't ask so many questions. Are you heading to salvation? That's not your business either. We could travel together, maybe get better acquainted. You intrigue me, a woman without a name. Spare me. Robot. I said robot. Consignment must be unloaded before I attend to you. Then get a move on. Do you need a hand? I'm fine. Do you want help to get up onto the train? No shame in it. I'm not taking this train. You can get on board. Robot, if you've finished unloading, I have an index chip. Index matches items in received cargo. One moment, please. This stuff is all for you. How are you going to manage it? All these questions. Get on board. The train's about to go. As you put it so nicely, Though I never learned your name. Now you never will. I can tell you mine, though keep it to yourself. I'm a wanted man. I really don't want to know. Mind the closing doors. Blake. My name's Rog Blake. What? That got your attention. I'll see you around. Wait. No, you can't be. Stand back, please. The train is now departing. Delivery driver. In about time. I suppose the train was late again, as always. Honestly, what am I even paying for? Delivery driver. Uh, what's she ordered now? If it's more electric novels. Delivery driver. If you don't come out, it goes back on my hover bike. There's no need for the aggro. What's the matter with you? I'm fine. Your index chip, please. Train late, was it? Mac, it's always late. There are sandstorms out on the plane. And coming this way. You should stay in town till it passes. I've got deliveries to make. Plus, the bike is shielded and I've got my coat and mask. The storms are always worse at this stage of the orbit. And living so far out of town, you're really not very safe. I'm fine, Mac. Just some analogue messages for you this time. They're called letters. Someone's a romantic. 
Here, pass them through. And I'll have some pain stops. You run out already? Stocking up, in case I'm cut off by the storm. Hmm. To 12 or 24? The 24. You know, it's two per standard day. More than that isn't good. Yeah, yeah. Two credits. And I want to use the network. I thought you didn't know with that. Two credits per quarter hour. More if you send or receive messages. I'll unlock the keypad. Right. Keypad should be working. The satellite link might be affected by the storm. You still have to pay the two credits. I only want one downlink. Rog Blake? What do you want with the likes of him? I don't. But I heard they've upped the bounty. There. Reward for information that leads to arrest or death. Doesn't say how much. You don't think he's on Vanster? It's just an idea. Blake has a price on his head. This is a good place to hide. So maybe it's worth keeping an eye out for anyone matching his... Oh, there's no picture. Those take time to load. I think you know Blake if you saw him. How so? Well, he's taken on the whole Federation, so he'll have a bit of a swagger and, and something cold and determined, given all he's done. Well, that does sound about right. Here's your picture. Good looking. I will keep an eye out. I doubt he'd look like this now. All those battles lost, his comrades killed right in front of him. You sound like the newswire. I heard a rumour he's been badly wounded and then patched up bionically. Well, that'll make him easier to spot. You could use a reward to get your own bionics. You'd carry twice as many parcels if you didn't need the stick. Then you'd better not spot him first and take all my reward. I'd obviously share it with you. I'd at least give you some it. Of course you would. Done. Did you send a message? I don't even have an account. You can check the log. No, no, I trust you. Right. Best settle up and be off. I want to be home before the storm hits. You should try and rob a delivery driver before they deliver it all. I've got nothing worth stealing. We can see that, m'lady. I was just saying to Lux that you must be some kind of an aesthete. Store did say that. I don't know what it means. A vibe of the monastic. Or perhaps it's Spartan. Eking out life on a mere 16 hectares of cheerless scrub and stone. I'm hardly an expert in the fecundity of soil, but it's surely too thin to grow food crops. And then there are these intermittent sandstorms. Yet here you are, persisting. What do you want? That's not very friendly. <laughs> Why? We, we want nothing from you at all, m'lady, other than to make your acquaintance. We are, if you will allow me... Store and Lux, the terrible twins. Terrible. New in town. If you'd bought land, we'd all have noticed. So, not settling, passing through. How perspicacious. You have us to a tea. Lux and I are here to visit our dear, frail and ancient aunt. Marvidi isn't frail. Alas, you've not seen her recently. A week ago? Maybe two? Uh, 
at her age, things can change rather suddenly. She is frail and also forgetful. To her particular embarrassment, she can't even remember the name of her closest neighbour. Um, lady, he means you. I know. And you didn't tell us your name? I don't see why I should. And I don't much care for you being on my property. <sighs> well, we don't wish to intrude on your evening. Just wanted to say hello and assess the lie of the land. It's my land, and I have things to do. Of course. Come on, Lux. We've taken up more than enough of this lady's valuable time. Perhaps another occasion, when you're more... amenable. Manners don't cost a credit. Is this something to do with Rog Blake? <laughs> I... I thought for a moment you said Rog Blake. We've never met Blake. We've never shot at Blake, never. Lux, now the lady her say... We don't get visitors here. Most people come to Vanstone to be left well alone, but here you both are, visiting. And then, I heard someone say that Rog Blake has been seen in town. Who said that exactly? Is Blake here looking for you? Now, why should he want to do that? You tell me. Well, because... Max, I think you and I should leave the lady to her evening and return to our own dear aunt. Then we can discuss this curious and most amusing news. Until next time, my lady. Not if I can help it. You're not rich, then? Maybe I am. Maybe I keep the store out of sentiment. You survived last week's storm? Shack was half buried. Had to dig my way out. Oh, you've got a parcel. I'll need confirmation of recorded identity. You've known me for years. It's not me you need to convince. My name is Shiva Mack. Here. Thanks. Another 24 pain stops? Might as well, since I'm here. And I need some extra fuel cores. And to use the network. You know where it is. I've got some cold fusion cores somewhere. Did you hear the news? More sightings of Rog Blake? No. Marvidi. She's dead. What? When? Two nights back. They're saying she'd been ill for several orbits, but didn't want people to fuss. Ill with what? I don't know. You live on the next territory. You could go and ask the terrible twins. This is none of my business. What do you make of those two? Store and Lux? A bit rough around the edges. But there are people who like that kind of thing. They're friendly enough when they come in for crates of synth, which they certainly get through. Drowning their sorrows, what with their dear departed aunt. It's been hard on them, I think. You know, they went out for a walk and got lost. Brock Landon found him on his land, out in the lava plains, in the middle of nowhere. How do you walk from Marvidi's place to the lava plains? And Landon has a good security system. It can't have been working that day. The twins apologised, Brock Landon's fine about it. Just thought it was a bit odd. What? N nothing. You think there's more to it? I mean, why else would they be out in the lava plains? I don't know. There's nothing there. The twins are a bit peculiar, that's all. They were devoted to Marvidi. Coming out all this way to be with her at the end. It's none of my business. Anyway, I'm done here. Add the network charge to my tab.
done. Do you want to stay for a couple each? No charge for my best customers. Another time. I've deliveries to make. I'll see you next week. What was that? It sounded like... Shooting! No, wait, Mac! Don't go out there! Don't get involved. I definitely heard... There! Mac, wait! Roger Blake! We know you're in there. You come out or we come in. But you just want to chat, nice and friendly. That's storing Lux with blasters. But the law says very clearly, no. Mac, go back inside the store. You never saw or heard anything. What are you going to do? I'm getting on my bike and I'm going home. What? We don't want things to get unpleasant, but you're rather forcing our hands. Just watch me. You get involved, you end up getting killed. So turn around, go back indoors right now. And I'll see you next week. But we should do something. We are. We're not getting ourselves shot. Go! I'm just saying, this is wrong. Blake! I'm counting to three. One. Two. Three! Federation when you actually need it. Someone's gonna get... Milady, this is a pleasant surprise on an otherwise sorry occasion. We are gratified by your show of respect, aren't we, Lux? Yeah, because you gave us the brush off before. Lux, polite. Attending today is an olive branch. I was Marvidi's neighbour. Not turning up to her funeral would have been noticed. As if you were taking sides. Sides? <laughs> My mistake. I'm sure there are no sides to be taken. There is only what is right and respectful. And then what isn't and needs sorting? It's a good turnout. The whole town seems to be here. Mac even closed the stall. She's open an hour later tonight to make up the difference. Some people will still complain. <laughs> That's a rather cynical view. I think most people know how to conduct themselves properly. Not to do so is a choice. I don't see Rog Blake. No, a little disappointing, even disrespectful, when everyone else made the effort. We'll track him down soon. Lux, remember the solemnity of the occasion. Right. The what? I don't suppose you've seen Blake again, milady, or had any contact with him? Perhaps over the network or some such. Why would I? Well, as you may have heard, Blake and ourselves had a trifling altercation, after which he's gone to ground. You mean he's hiding from you? <laughs> Our current thought is that he's not sequestered in the town itself, but somewhere hereabouts. He's not hiding at mine. I wouldn't let him in. I don't want any part of whatever's going on. You hear that, Lux? I did store. I did. 